There we go. Well, welcome to the after party. <laughs> surprise, surprise. How are you? Good to Scott's see you here with me tonight. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We're just going to give people a couple minutes to get in here. Let's do it. But uh, we're live now. And we should have uh, some audio. We'll, we'll find out what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to jump on to YouTube proper. There we go. A couple of people are already joining us here. Well, welcome to uh, the after party tonight. Uh, Bobby was a little under the weather tonight, so Scott is here with me. Happy to jump in. So, we're going to be a good time. We're going to talk about, um, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, well, everything that's going on. We can just start with everything. So many things happening right now. Well, why, don't, why don't you tell me, sort of the first couple of weeks, I mean, that's one of the things I said. We should talk about how, uh, how it's been being like a parent of kids going back to school. I know it's you had true. a bit of a derailment last week. It's true. I'm just going to say hello to Andy here. Oh, we have one Andy. person on already. So. What's up? Um, yeah, I mean, Andy's a parent. He's got two kids, two girls That's as well. True. We had uh, one week back in school with our son, and then he got the sniffles. So he was not, he, he was fine. Like he wasn't, he wasn't particularly sick, but he had symptoms, so we couldn't send him back to school. Right. So we booked a test on Monday. I actually woke up that morning with sniffles, booked a test on Monday, got the results back Tuesday, yep. a negative. Uh, but they still don't want him back at school until all the symptoms are gone. Because even though they know he doesn't have COVID, if he gets the next kid sick, that means they've got to go get a test, yep. which means another burden on, on the system. AHS and AHS. So, yep. so he was out of school for, he was in for one week and then out for the second week. Um, back at school again on Monday. So. Right. Yeah. How are you guys doing with family and stuff? Oh, well, we've had one ki kid tested as well, but I don't okay. think it had anything to do with being uh, sick. And it, again, it was symptoms that sort of dissipated really quickly and mm -hmm. negative tests back. Um, again, I've just, I was thinking about lots of people in our community sort of, yeah. um, I mean, obviously people taking different approaches, but then also the, the tension of like wading into the uncertainty of th this is another time when we have yeah. to adapt in new ways, try to find a new way forward. So, and he's um, saying uh, his kids are fine, but they did have a, um, a case staff test oh. positive the day before opening. Oh, wow. So, I, I mean, I guess it's good it was the day before they were able to <laughs> <laughs> catch it and hey, keep, make keep changes. That, keep that person out of there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I. That's what I feel like that's there's this sort of invitation into a constant ha having to adapt. And maybe that's some of what we're starting to feel, because I mean, for those of us who are sending our kids back, yeah. I, it's like a whole new set of factors and then a whole new set of uh, parameters by which I have to try to. I mean, it's already bad enough. My kids sort of do what most kids do. It's like uh, they figure out, like, if I if I'm actually kind of sick, I may get to stay home here. And not just for a day. You get to stay home <laughs> for a week if you're you got two weeks off. You can make yourself right. So like that, there's this sort of negotiation happening. Uh, where I have to like learn to hear new truth in it's my true. in my kids, uh, find the new well, ways that they're not. I mean, the Eaton truth. Eaton was he wanted to go back, so he was pretty excited yeah, to go to school. Exactly. So he was bummed out because by, like I would say Wednesday, he still had, you know, a bit of sniffles and a bit of a cough, but he was feeling fine, and so yep. he was like, I just want to go back to school, but yep. he, he was fine. We explained it to him. But he was not trying to get off school. He, if anything, he was trying to. He was trying to keep it all under wraps so he could get back in there. And I'm like, all right, all right. Well, so. this is, I mean, this is true in, for adults too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just think of all the people who aren't telling the truth about their symptoms so that they oh, can get Scott, to Scott, listen, <laughs> now you're going to cause problems. <laughs> I didn't accuse anybody. <laughs> Don't, no, nobody needs to hear that. Here, okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, you want to get into Let's just go right let's into, go right into COVID controversy. Here. Yeah, let's do it. So my wife and I were talking about this uh, this evening because we were saying, you know, the the province has stopped asymptomatic testing because, yep. you know, for every 10,000 tests, they're getting seven positive. So basically, 
if you're not sick, you're not sick is, is what they're saying. Like if you don't have symptoms, you don't have COVID. It's likely that you don't. Yeah. So, which is great. But then my wife was like, but they still need to do it because she's like, people are just going to lie and they're going to say they don't have symptoms. They're going to go to work and they're going to get everyone sick. So then, you know, we got in this thing of, well, is, is the issue really, what is, what are the tests telling us? Or is the issue like, we just need to lie to ourselves because we can't trust anyone right. and we don't trust ourselves. Well, I mean, this is the, what's the, I mean, that's the catchy bit, isn't it? That we, right. we have to sort of trust that people are a being aware of their own bodies and that if they aren't feeling well, that they're going to stay away. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that's what the, that testing or the suspension of this testing is sort of right. like sort of given a vote towards, Hey, okay. So we're kind of keeping it under wraps mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, we don't need if to get, we keep taking it seriously, if we, if we keep, keep exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how far we want to wade into that, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what podcasts are for, aren't they? Yeah. I just well, I mean, I think, you know, we're going down a rabbit trail here, but I think Dr. Hinshaw, she said it this week, like the media is playing this up and freaking people out more than they need to be. Hmm. The danger is, I think there's a real segment of the population that's taking it less seriously than we need yeah. to. And yeah. so it feels like sometimes you only have two options yeah. to either be hyper vigilant, hyper paranoid, or to just, be in the camp that's just like, ah, whatever, let's do whatever we want. Right. And I feel like as a society, if we had a little more moderation to be able to say, hey, we're not all in mortal danger all the time, um, but we actually need to be really wise and really cautious and really yeah. careful around each other so we don't get each other sick. We, we yeah. you know, I mean, that would be a healthy... A third way. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Way to respond to things. But it feels like sometimes there's only the two options. Yeah, which, I mean... Is not kind of, healthy. Is that not just the world we yeah. live in? So, uh, anyways. Anyways, so that was my wife's concern is everyone needs to keep wearing their masks because she doesn't trust anyone to stay home if they don't have symptoms. Right. And to be fair, my wife has lived with me for, you know, almost 20 years. And I will say, pre-COVID... I was not good for this. Like I was going to work no matter what. Right. I was showing up. You yeah. know, I was going to do my job. Yeah. Now that's different. I've, you know, I've, I've realized, okay, that's not healthy. I'm not helping myself or my community to do that. But pre-COVID, that would have been my right. attitude. Is right. like, you know, I'm through. sick. You, you go to work. You keep going. You keep going. Right. You get through it. But you know. I just want. I mean, it makes me think about. I mean, there's probably some people listening. Andy will for sure know. Like it was a year and a half ago, <laughs> I think you did four or five weeks in a row where. You should have been in bed every single Sunday. There. No, no, that's just <laughs> voice barely functioning. Anyways. Voice, voice. Just because you lose your voice, that doesn't actually. Just because that's like, the primary yeah, instrument can, for your job, it doesn't matter. You can lose your voice. Anyways, anyway, right. there you go. So there's more going on. There's our way. our take on COVID. Yeah, is <laughs> don't it. be terrified. Like, but yeah. but let's all be really careful. Let's work let's together. Take this really seriously. Let's, work let's together. wear our masks. Let's do everything we can to yeah. make sure don't people going infected. So that we don't have to shut things down again. Yeah. You know, like we're just moving forward and businesses are just sort of trying to make a go of it. Yeah. yeah. And if and if we go back into a full on shutdown, it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard on a lot of us. So yeah. um there you go. There's there's <laughs> the our common, take on it. The is, commons hot take. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't be terrified, but take this seriously, please, everyone. <laughs> How's that? I'm sure. For, I'm sure how's that for the least lukewarm take ever? <laughs> Holy cow! I'm sure that's why people signed in. Yeah, exactly. You're like, whoa. I wonder. Great, boring I, take there. I wonder what those two anyway. white guys have to say. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I mean, we're also just starting a year together as a community. It's I true. think that's been an interesting. I mean, this is always a. I don't know how much of that you really got into. There was a, in your conversation last week with Bobby. I didn't get to listen to mm -hmm. it all, but so we we did actually. We talked about it, but so we talked a lot about the start of the new year, right? 
um, and what that felt like. But um, from my perspective, this week was this week felt quite a bit different. This was the first week that I felt um, comfortable on the stage again doing a sermon. So hmm. I think I don't know how many of you how many have you done in person? I just did the one. Okay, I think I think this is my my third right with an audience again. Yep, and maybe fourth, but it was the first time I'd done two back to back, and I think it made a big difference for me because I felt like all my other ones, I was like, okay, like I'm a professional, I can do this, but it just didn't feel natural. And part of it is, you know, at Commons you're speaking through a plexiglass barrier, which is you know strange and weird. But yeah. even I don't think it was that. I think it was just being out of the the practice of it and the practice right. of. Um, maybe after six months of talking to a camera like this right. and just, you know, you, you do your prep and you deliver it the way you wanted. I think I had gotten out of practice of reading the room yeah. and sort of working with it, working yeah, with the room. Exactly. Yeah. Reacting to the room and deciding where to pause and where to add and where to embellish based on feedback. And I think maybe even two weeks ago, I was still in the talking to the camera mode yeah. and this week kind of felt a little more like, Oh, this is, this is what I remember. This is right. what I do. Right. I talk and I react and I, I feel the room and, and yeah. like, which is a big part of preaching. Right. Um, so yeah, it was funny. I, this was the first week that I felt, I don't want to say good about the sermon, but I felt comfortable getting back into it. Which is great. I, one of the things I've thought of too, is that like, I think there's lots of people in our community who are sort of adapting to the work that they do mm -hmm. and sort of either you're going back to the office or you're some part of your, even more of your job being on camera than right. it used to be. Um, but there's something about the fact that we do that work. And again, and this is, I don't want this to sound myopic, hmm. um, but it, but it's a reflection on when we do this work in front of a bunch of people and we're right. sort of doing that adaptation on the fly. So, I mean, we are full, full disclosure. We're, we're sensitive about that. We're thinking yeah. about how to get better and uh, do it authentically. So, I mean, I mean I'm glad. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a busy fall for you as you teach our community and just getting I mean, in, it, getting it, back into that rhythm is it's it important. Will, but I mean, in some ways it's going to be an interesting fall because, well, an interesting year. Um, right. I'm going to be teaching less than I ever have before. <laughs> By percentage. Yeah, yeah, because we have we have you, we have Bobby, we have Yelena, we have all these um, teaching voices. And now, you know, we only have one um, sort of venue live place. parish. Yeah. So the sort of um, speaking opportunities are less. So I'm, I'm still doing the bulk of them, um, but I am doing less, which is sort of um, like there's, there's a blessing and a curse. There's a blessing in the fact that I love the fact that we're in a community where um, when I scale back, that means we get more voices that really round out the community and shape it. And it's really beautiful. It's really you know, neat to do that. Um, I, I really like that part of my job though. Yeah. So, you know, looking at the schedule and you know, oh man, okay, that many weeks. All right, well, that's fine. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so. which, which is, I, I mean, again, I feel like we're not the only people going through that. I know yeah, I, I, I so. it's like, you know, people's, I mean, I was talking with somebody in our community who's like, they're in the office once once a week. Right. And uh, that used to be a pretty significant part of their job, their sense of connection, their mm -hmm. ability to lead in that sort of collective environment. And of course, you move all of that into yeah. uh, Zoom meetings and Zoom boards and uh, even more emails than you wanted bef than <laughs> before. Um, yeah. There's sort of... Um, I mean, I guess the negotiation of that, first of all, that sense of who you are, mm -hmm. and then the uncertainty of, is that changing in ways that I don't right. want it to? Just being, I, I mean, I feel like we we kind of have to be comfortable yeah. to some degree. I mean, that's, certainly that's my experience. Like our parish, some of our, some of these people I don't get to see at all anymore. I mean, yeah. for the sake of public health and safety mm -hmm. and adapting to the same kinds of sort of changes. 
in something that's so central. But anyway, there's this is a very small room in this little studio thing that we've built here. But also, there's a lot of stuff on the table right now. And I every time I pick up my coffee, I'm like, I don't know where to put it. I don't know what time. Like not, in the shot, you in, can kind of see our computers and my coffee. But then there's like a ton of stuff up here. Inevitably, so, we're gonna spill. That's what I'm worried about. So that's what I was getting to is I'm like, <laughs> we should add place settings. Where do I put this thing? Well, that's, anyway. yeah, it's good. Okay. So Andy said hi in the comments. Anyone else in there? You want to jump in before we jump into our conversation about the weekend? Yeah. We've got a couple of things to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Or we're just going to sip coffee. <laughs> well, we wait for you. Hey, Jared. What's up, man? That's good. Jared Chamberlain. Oh, is a. Uh, realtor, they have a, a brokerage here in town, but he is a good friend. So he shared some ideas about what they've set up in their studio because they're doing these yes. sort of live. Yeah, if you haven't seen Chamberlain Groups, yeah, check out their stuff. Too. But so I dropped by their office to check it out, and he was like, "Hey, you want to go live?" So he wrote me into like going nice. live on their Facebook channel to talk about what it's like um, living in Crescent Heights or whatever. Uh. But a lot of the stuff we've set up here is sort of semi-stolen from oh. what the Chamberlain group is doing. So there you go. Uh, what coffee are we drinking? We are drinking right now. Oh, that's um, good. I think this is actually... Which roast it is? Uh, I think it's Good Trade. So oh, they're new. here in Kensington. Yeah, so yeah. at the church, we usually use Fratello. Uh, really good coffee. It's, we use it for our drip and the espresso. But right now, the espresso machine is not being used on Sundays. So we're just We've using that for back, staff. Yeah. So I've been running down the street to Good Trade, which just opened in the little wedge yep. uh, right on Kensington Road. And it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'm it's really, really good. I, I was in there a few times before COVID. No, it's pricey because um, they're, they're building into their model specifically sort of a social good model. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing a lot of neat stuff, not just fair trade, but in terms of investment in community and stuff. So, uh, so it, it is pricey, but, but it's excellent quality as well. So yeah. it's nice to have another... Another really good spot in town. Yeah, to check out. Exactly. And, it's, and it's close by. So. Something they can rely, yeah, yeah. rely on. Somebody, and then yeah. just the engagement with their overall. Jen, how are you? It's good to see you as well. <laughs> okay, so what happened? What do you want to talk about first? We were talking the today about. Oh, let's come back to that later. Like, are you okay. talking about, like, I want, I want to do this thing with Jared. I was like, what, yeah. like what, what's, uh, what's piquing your interest? What are you curious about? What are you interested in? Yeah. Uh, what's keeping you from being bored? We'll do okay, that at so the end. If you, want, if you want to stick around for that, um, <laughs> Ryan Petkow, who is yeah. our kids pastor, yeah. is um, in seminary right now, working on her master's. Yep. And she's taking a course and she just brought some of the reading in and we were sort of talking about it around the table today. And she right. had some really good points and we riffed on that a bit. So yeah, we did. Might we come we back nerded out earlier and we thought, hey, maybe somebody else yeah, wants to listen to around sociology that. of religion. So <laughs> if, if, if you stick through the conversation about the weekend, you're like, oh, I would really that's, like some sociology of religion. Yeah, that's the teaser. Yeah. You're like desperate for that Coming on a Tuesday. There we go. Yeah, no, I, do. I actually had some questions. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this series that we're in. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. Because we're, we're trying to keep these to 45 minutes. Last year, we went yeah, uh, super longer, but yeah, we're going to do that. Um, did, how much of that did you and Bobby get through last week? Did you talk a little bit about, like, because again, I'm sort of curious about this series uh, as a concept, the yep. idea of um, sort of in, using a lens for thinking about the teaching of Jesus, looking specifically at the ways that he provokes with the questions that he asks. Well, she asked me more questions about, you know, what's my relationship with questions and do ah. I like being questioned? You know, nice. that's what Bobby does is she, 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 she wants to know. Yeah, <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Which, you know, sometimes I do. Um, although I'm not sure that I'm always the most receptive to questions. Like I, I think... 
when people have earned my respect and you know they've earned a place in my life, then I then I want to invite that, but I'm not always naturally the most open to questions. Okay, so let me flip it though. You know? What about asking questions? Are you inherently curious about do you find like where are you on that scale? Hmm. Cause that's yeah, that's kind of the the road that I wanted to go down because I find that's one of the things that I find um provocative uh as a lens for understanding how jesus especially this story that we looked at this right. week this idea um you sort of pointed out i think it's in verse six in the in the chapter we were looking at we're looking we're, at john five if you missed the sermon you can you find go. it on our youtube channel um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm, it, I'm hit just... subscribe put a comment down because my son watches youtube all the time yeah so now like just in normal conversation he'll like, be like hit like and subscribe if you want me to if right, you want to play more updates. of these games and he's like yeah, he'll make a YouTube, he'll make something in Lego and he'll be like, hit like if you want me to make more Turn Lego. Your life into a live stream. That's yeah, amazing. So. Anyways, so I, mean, I don't have a subscribe. I'm not subscribed <laughs> to that channel. But anyway, uh, in the middle of that story, it's sort of, there's this sort of provocative line. I think right. you actually use that language where Jesus sort of asks a question and there's this inference in the text that Jesus mm -hmm. actually takes some time to get more information about this character's life. He well, I mean, I read a lot into it, right? I, I know so, you did, but that's it. If you <laughs> that's listen the to the sermon, there's a couple clues there. Yeah. That to me indicate there's at least a possibility. Right. That, you know, the writer is sort of moving through this quickly, but there's an interaction between Jesus and this man at the pool. Okay. So the story is, let me, let me recap the story. Okay. We'll so there's a man, he's lying by the pool of Bethesda. He wants to be healed. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be well? Right. And in that, there's a couple of references that John says that Jesus learned the man had been there for 38 years. And then the man explains, hey, look, I don't have anyone to help me get into the pool. Right. Um, and my inference was from that was there's some kind of conversation that's happened between Jesus and this man. Yeah. And this question, do you want to be well, is not just a rhetorical question. Like Jesus isn't just using this man as a prop. No. It's out of an exchange that's happening yeah. between them. Right. Now, are there other scenarios that could have played out? Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm speculating there. Yeah. But I like the idea of Jesus, you know, being curious about this, asking questions. Yes. Yeah. And then the conversation coming out of it. Well, and I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to lean yeah. into because I think that there's, there's a way oftentimes in which we read the gospel narratives and there's actually some inference in some of the way that the gospel writers present Jesus mm -hmm. is that Jesus is sort of walking around in the world with special knowledge, right. is able to infer all yeah. kinds of things that like you as an audience member can't see in the text. Whereas this, this text actually seems to infer the opposite or it's possible to move the opposite way. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to get, if you go look at the text, it just says Jesus learned the man had been there. Right. So is we, that by some kind of like mystical, spiritual mystical, encounter? Yeah. Is that by someone, one of his disciples is like, Oh, by the way, you see this guy over here or is it because he right. interacts with them? I don't know. Right. But I mean, that's, that's what we do when we read. You, you sort of choose a narrative. Right. And then you build out, you know, your sort of imaginative reading. But it. I would argue, I mean, let yeah. me just make the argument to you that I find the, the, the lens by which Jesus is, is actively learning this information as opposed to just sort of downloading yes. it. That he's an active participant in engaging sort of the story that's happening as opposed to he sort of is like he already knows how the story is going to play out yeah like i think like again i'm, I'm suggesting a kind of a particular way to read the scripture yeah. but it, this is a a way in which we look at jesus as a character also mm -hmm. a way in which we form our theology specifically about jesus that i think is far more provocative that we say he didn't just download this bit of information right. but he actually is out in the world and he's asking which comes back to this question of like well how good yes. am i 
at asking questions. It's one thing if I'm uncomfortable. So right. I, I won't make you answer no. Bobby's questions because <laughs> she's not here. But I'm. What about how how curious are you yeah. about, about the the people that you run into? Because this is, I mean, full scale. Now I'm just going to yeah. throw my cards on the table. This is this is where I find myself a lot right now. In that I I find sometimes that my curiosity about people either that I I don't agree with mm -hmm. or people who are expressing mm -hmm. uh, a political view or even some, something related to COVID that I, I mean, my wife works for AHS, full disclosure. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this stuff even when I'm not thinking about it because she's telling me about yeah. it. And I, I run into people who don't always see the world through the same lens as I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that I, I, I don't know if I have a shorter fuse on my curiosity or I have a shorter span of curiosity for people, but this like constant push to... Or I feel this invitation to, in a time, I have to try to stay as curious as possible for as long as possible. And I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm just like aware of that in this moment because I'm running into more views where I feel like I'm having to contrast with people. Anyway, I, mm. I guess there's a, a bit of a question there. Like, A, Mike, okay, so if you are, might be evasive with people when they're asking you questions, that's one thing. Yeah. But what about your capacity to sustain your curiosity with people? I mean, I mean, I think, I do think spirit, uh, curiosity is a spiritual discipline. Right. In the sense, and I think that's part of what we're sort of exploring in this series is um, the specific idea that w when we look at Jesus, when we use Jesus as a model, we see someone who is curious right. about the people around them. Yeah. Um, the people who um, might be considered beneath him, you know, in, right. in sort of social caste, that type of thing. Yep. The people who often opposed him. Yep. We see him sort of engaging, you know, with other religious leaders um, that he saw the world differently then. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things I'm hoping by the end of eight weeks, we sort of take away from this series is, um, I mean, Jesus is very curious about people. And if yeah. we want to be formed in the way of Christ, yeah. that we need to cultivate that kind of curiosity for people. Right. Um, even if it doesn't always come naturally, even if we tend to be a little um, closed off. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting. So somebody tweeted me this morning. Um, where was it? I'll see if I can find it here. Yep. Uh, now my, my Twitter gets buried and stuff. <laughs> anyway, they're asking me about um, who do I read? Who do I listen to that I disagree with? You know, they're saying, oh, hey, look, a, like, it's a great question. you're someone that, you know, I like your teaching and stuff. Who are the people that you're listening to, that you're reading, that you're learning from that you don't like? And I thought about it just just quickly. Um, but then I, I responded. I said, look, for me, this comes down sort of three ways. There's there's ideas that I have wrestled through and I've decided to set aside. So, um, you know, in, in terms of theology, like Calvinism or eternal conscious torment, like I don't read books on that anymore. I've worked through that. I'm not into that stuff. I've set it aside. You yeah. know, you've writers, talked about this publicly. Yeah, writers <laughs> yeah. who are you know promoting that, I don't need to read their arguments anymore. Right. There's a whole host of things that I am still curious about, mm -hmm. um, and then I try to re read quite broadly. And so I listed mm -hmm. a bunch of authors that I read that you know are on different sides of things that I'm trying to learn about and trying to make up my mind about. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a group of authors and, and people in my life that I disagree with on certain things, but I still know they have valuable opinions on all kinds of other things, right? So, so I don't read books on 
you know, reformed Calvinist theology anymore because it's not my thing. I've read through it. I've studied right. it. I'm not interested. I've moved on. Right. That doesn't mean I don't read any Calvinist writers or thinkers who are writing about other things that might enlighten me and add to me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think you need to be infinitely curious about everything. It's okay to say, okay, I've worked through that. I've made up my mind and moving yeah. on to something else. Yeah, yeah. But I think when that now becomes, okay, now this person, because they disagree with me on that issue, now I'm not interested in anything they have to say on anything else. Um, then I think we do miss out on a lot of what uh, the you know, spirit of God can be doing in and around us. Yeah, absolutely. I actually find that pretty helpful. And maybe, I mean, we're about the same age, so maybe we're in similar life stage and mm -hmm. where I don't actively seek out for the sake of off off ending uh, like another like an opinion that i find abhorrent or right. i find well <laughs> i'm not going to use stronger words than that um where, yeah, where you i do you have stronger words than abhorrent yeah i was gonna, <laughs> i was gonna say like reprehensible <laughs> and then and then and then i was thinking i was gonna have to start naming names and i was like it was gonna also be you know what i forgot from last week is how hot it gets in this room yeah, right i'm now. sweating so we should Glistening. have iced coffee before we got in here. Holy cow. Okay. What I was right, going to say on. is that this, so if somebody would ask me the same question, yeah. I would say where my thinking is being stretched is maybe not where I try to like find uh, authors or thinkers or people who are going to come at something that I hold to be central. What I'm looking for is for people to expand my thinking, right. not this sort of... Uh, like apologetic writing, right, I right. find really tiring. Um, and I, for that matter, I find it, it tiring uh, for people who might be defending positions that I enjoy. I've, I, apologetic writing, it, it often tends to be quite narrow because it's after a particular, it's, it's more argumentative. Right. It's less exploratory. Uh, and, and, and maybe a little, uh, it's, it's less suggestive. It's more sort of supposition- you know, if this, if this, then this, mm -hmm. whereas I would, I, I, I have a much greater appreciation for writers who are exploratory in, in an idea or mm -hmm. uh, in a concept. And even if I'm saying, oh, I'm not sure, this is one of the reasons why I can read uh, medieval Christian mystics, because like some of their theology, I'm just like, nope. <laughs> but I find that some of what I've lost, and maybe you can even argue is in the tradition that I appreciate, some of what I think they 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 espouse is they use language that is a it's a, for me it's a recovery for them it was the center of 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 their worldview for me it's a recovery of something that maybe I I've lost in the shuffle or I'm part of a tradition where I I was never exposed to it and that and in that regard I I, I I'm constantly offset by people that mm -hmm. I'm like no. I don't, I don't think yeah. that's, which is, maybe that's that kind of third category you were talking about, the people who you can, you say, well, I don't agree with them on this, but they talk about other things. Right. And, and it's actually really helpful, um, which is different than going out and, and finding to some degree, I don't even know how to find the people who directly disagree with me. There's so much good stuff out there. I don't, I don't want to read things yeah, the, that just, that's right. Make me angry about things. So. <laughs> oh, right. Or even again, or where the tone isn't based on, on conversation. It's right. apologetic writing. It's, it, it looks at the, it looks at all conversation as argument. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I don't know. I'm by the way, somebody was asking if, if, uh, Jared was asking if, if it's picking up some room noise, there's actually basketball happening. Yeah. There's a basketball. So game if happening. you're, <laughs> if you're hearing some room noise, we've done our best to we're like also, stay, we're both a little fidgety. So maybe that's some of stay what Stay right is. on top of the mics because <laughs> that way we can keep the basketball down. So, um, 
Okay, well, I, one of the other things I wanted to jump in, in the, is specifically yeah. in the sermon. So that's sort of thinking about questions. I actually want, I mean, we could just keep talking about that because for me, you use the language of questions as our curiosity as spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's good language. I wanted to jump to, um, you threw in a Miroslav Volf quote. Yeah, that's uh, a good quote. Oh, I just had to censor myself there. It's a really, it's a really good quote. Um, and you know what? He put that on Twitter. Oh, this is that's just the tweet. kind of stuff he puts on Twitter. So okay, I was like, holy cow! Follow Wolf, uh, theologian, yeah. still alive, um, still really uh, thoughtful, and also engaged in the. It should be a book, but no, it, it was just a tweet, and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta capture <laughs> okay, that. Okay, hold on, hold on. So I want, I want to lean into this yeah. for a second. So I'm gonna read the quote. Sure. If you're okay. Um, so. Or I'm going to read it as it was in your sermon. So hopefully you, it, that's an accurate-ish sure. representation of it. We could find the tweet. Somebody fact check this yeah. tweet, okay? Um, Wolf says this, that truth will set you free, said Jesus. And the truth does set us free, but by connecting us with what's real. It liberates us from fantasies, alternative facts, lies, and half-truths, which when believed push us into a pit of false fear and drive us up the sandy slope of false aspirations. Mic drop. Hashtag mic drop. Um, so, I mean, I I started thinking about this for in a community like ours mm -hmm. that um, has pushed hard to to stretch our thinking. I think we try to do this as a as a teaching team, and then I think one of the things we try to do w with our community is to. Uh, I had somebody describe it to me this way: that w what we will do with an idea, with a passage, with a theological truth, is we will try to get behind that and show people what that truth is built out of. Okay. The ideas, the history. Uh, so we do this in the way that we handle the text. These kinds yep. of things. Okay, so. Um, I mean, that places us in a particular stream in, in our tradition. Not, every, not everybody teaches the scripture this way. Not everybody tries to build a community around that kind of robust sort of learning. And I found myself asking, okay, so Miroslav Wolf, he, he sort of drops this bomb. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, so how, do, how does a community like Commons, how do we carry that, this, tr this sort of forward progressively? I mean, this is one of the things that we sort of talk about is how mm -hmm. do we... We try to read the text this way. We try to form our community progressively. But how do we guard ourselves? Um, maybe that's not the right language. But how do we continue to be awake to the ways that we could um, come up with a new falsity? Or how do we sort of really hold on to that practice of following Jesus away from half-truths or false fears or false aspirations, which I realize is a bit of a there's a million ways you can come at that. But I, I, I found that challenging for me because I know what you were trying to get at in the mm -hmm. sermon because um, you were talking about how like there's irony built into this passage that Jesus, what Jesus is trying to do is very different than what the religious mm -hmm. leaders sort of assume he's doing in the passage. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, I mean, maybe it's a bit of a muddy question in terms of how to get at it, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I think what I, so in the, in the sermon, yep. um, you know, I talked about that passage or that quote around the part where you, the, the man who wants to be healed is saying to Jesus, look, of course I want to be healed, but I can't get into the pool first. Right. And Jesus is like, it doesn't matter whether you get in first. That's not going to work. Right. Like you've, you've hung all your hopes on this, stop. this right. illusion. Okay. So, this, okay. So, right? can, so can we, can I jump in there yeah. and, it's, and then apply? So how do, how do, 
people who like, I'm going to put myself there. How does somebody like me who's really tried hard to be more honest about what the text is saying, yeah. try to be more clear about how I think Jesus wants us to act and move and work in the world for the betterment and renewal of all. How do I, how do I keep honest about the ways that I might do that in a way that sort of might go awry mm -hmm. or go wrong? I think one of the things you can do um, that I think we modeled on this weekend or and we're modeling in this conversation is that piece around saying okay here's the text um here's the hints yeah that are there yeah this is how i'm choosing to interpret those hints because they give me um a, a picture or an image of jesus that i prefer one that seems more in tune with an actual human jesus who's interacting with people and caring about them right but always sort of holding that open-handed in the sense of like, yeah. you know, this is not the plain meaning of this text. There is no such thing as the plain meaning of what this story is. Yeah, for all times and all places. Right, there yeah. is this sort of interpretive engagement that we have with the text yeah. where we say, this is what I'm reading. This is the hint that I have. This is how I connect this with my humanity. Um, and this is therefore what I choose to see in the Jesus of the text here. Yeah. Um, and I think when you can at least name that kind of honesty around it yeah. to say my way of reading this passage is not the only way. It hasn't been the only way in history. It won't be the only way going forward, but it is an honest way. And here's why, and here's where I'm coming from. And this is you know, why I choose it. Um, I think even that kind of humility expressed in the, in the words that we build around yeah. our interpretation, goes a long way to make sure because what happens then is as, as long as I can admit this is this is the interpretive lens that I'm choosing to read this passage because it feels most in tune with a real human Jesus yeah. and the hints are there they can never that can never become my illusion because I've always I've, I've already named it as right um, as a narrative or a scaffold that I've chosen to make sense of this story right right so it's never it, it you can always sure it can be an illusion, but it's never going to be fully opaque because I've already named it as somewhat transparent. Right. Right. Like I've yeah. already said what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think for me, that's a big part of what um, I'm always trying to do when I'm teaching. Right. Is here's what's going on. Here's what I'm choosing to do. Um, here's why I'm and choosing be, and it. Be honest about it. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is, yeah, go, intellectual honesty. This is one of the yeah. ways that it works itself out right. and being honest about these as inclinations or our suggestions of a lens. I mean, in, in some cases, I think we would be hopeful that uh, the way that we're teaching is faithful mm -hmm. moving forward, you know, that, you know, 100 years from now, people would look back and find a, find the things that we're saying to mm -hmm. be to be orthodox in right. some stretch of the imagination mm -hmm. um but there's a sort of a uh, like yeah there's a maybe a tender or a gentle way in which we do that uh especially i don't know with the historical awareness knowing that sometimes we um we stretch our thinking beyond mm -hmm. the scope of so i always i always tell you a lot of holding our convictions or holding our beliefs with conviction but also open-handed yeah so with conviction to say um this, this is not the only way to read this passage, but I'm convinced, I'm convicted of it enough that I'm willing to base my life on it. I'm willing to follow that Jesus that I interpret there in that story, but also open-handed enough to know that I could be wrong. Um, I could miss the mark. Yep. And at the end of the day, I'm going to trust myself to the Jesus that I will encounter 
you know, in truth, at some point, somewhere yeah. down the line, yeah. more than my interpretive lens for Jesus. Um, but you can actually do both. You can actually say, I That's could right. be wrong. Yeah. And so I'll trust myself to Jesus. But even though I know I could be wrong, I still am willing to put... To stand here on yeah, this. The, yeah. the choices that I make and the way that I interact with people. Yeah. And I'm willing to shape that based on this interpretation yeah. of what's happening. Here. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... To me, these things are so connected. Like the idea if you start with a sort of a mm -hmm. spirituality or a Christology mm -hmm. of Jesus that's sort of built on the question. Right. Built on the con I mean, Jesus in the in the text throughout the gospels, interrogating his own uh, his own tradition mm -hmm. and actually teaching his followers to do the very same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a I mean, that's that's part of what fuels it certainly fuels my own study of the text, the way that I keep trying to grow. Um, both in my understanding of it historically, but then how do how do we grow forward? And which is why I, I listen to the mm -hmm. to the Wolf quote, and I find I don't I don't want to be above. I don't want to just think that Wolf's like that that that's a cute way of thinking about that text. I, mm -hmm. I actually found that quote really mm -hmm. provocative for how do I keep living in the world and working with these words? And anyway, mic drop. Way to go, Wolf. <laughs> if, you, if you if you I mean also. <laughs> I mean, Wolf's yeah, it's true. He he actually he, he's a good follow, um, and and most of his books aren't small. So it's it's not a bad well, way. They're not. They're, they're not huge. They're though. not like. No, yeah. they're not Carl Bart or something. They're, like that, but they're um, they can be heavy, but they're not. Um, like they're um, they're accessible. You can read Wolf. Yeah. Um, like you don't have to have a, a theology background yeah. <laughs> or a dictionary. Yeah. 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 So I mean, don't. I mean, people should read Wolf. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, just David Bentley Hart, where you need a dictionary, yeah, which is true. good. That's, that's part yeah. of what you learn. Anyway, um, I don't know. If it, was there anything else that you wanted to? I mean, you'll, you, I'm sure you'll sort of do some follow up on the sermon in the coming days. But um, yeah, I mean, we should come back. I mean, I think um, I think one of the interesting things from that week, there's a lot in that sermon. Yeah. Um, but was, you know, that conversation around how do we use language? Um you know, if Jesus really is curious yeah. right, and he's really asking these questions, what do we learn from that in terms of the ways that we speak about each other? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had some conversation around that, around the office. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you come across these, you know, passages in the scriptures talking about invalids and cripples, Yeah. you know, and you're just like, oh, like you bounce off that language pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, even as an able-bodied person, you bounce off that. And you say like, that's, that's not an appropriate way to speak about someone yep. um, to sort of reduce them down to a condition or a circumstance. Um, but then how do we, if we bounce off that, then how do we use that as a learning point to shape um, our language, to shape our interactions with each other? Can we yep. find ways to be more generous in the ways that we speak? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, there's, there's a number of different layers of irony in this story. One of them being, I think a big part of this story is the way that Jesus gives agency to this man. Yeah. And then we translate the story in ways that take that agency away from this man. You know, like Jesus yep. doesn't see him as a cripple. Jesus sees him as a man um, who has agency to decide whether he wants to be well and, and what that is. Yeah. Um, and then immediately in our translation, we reduce him back down to the condition yep. um, that Jesus wanted to ask him about. So, I mean, I think... In all of these ways, um, not just in this story, but it does call us to interrogate the ways that we use language in um, just, I don't mean careless in the sense of we're being unkind, just careless mm. in the sense of like, we don't understand what our language does. We don't understand the way that that 
um, isolates somebody or pushes them away. Right. And the more curious we can be about that to ask people, like, yes. how do you how do you tell your story? That's right. You know, what what's the language you like? What are your pronouns? Like yeah. everything from that all the way down to, you know, tell me what, how you and why you think exactly. this way. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think if we if we had that kind of curiosity that we see in Jesus, I think that would come across um, as a level of kindness that sometimes we're not always known for. That's right. In the church or just in general. Yeah, just, yeah, so. that's right. In our culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I understand some of how we come to those terms. We, we, I mean, again, the terms are around long enough and it gets used to sort of shortcut to a thing. Sure. We stop examining yeah. it and we don't realize that it's impact. Like words change their impact on people, right. their impact on groups changes. And that's, I mean, that's just another instance of this need to interrogate our language. Yeah, um, and I think, I think that's a really... It's an interesting piece to realize, okay, so these, these new um, ideas we have around, you know, people first language or whatever. Um, I mean, sure, we, you know, we're not seeing that in the scriptures, but we're seeing the same impetus towards engaging someone, being curious to someone, allowing someone to name their story um, the way that they want to. We see yeah. that impetus in Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really important. Yeah. You know, that a lot of these things that feel like, ah, oh, we're just, you know, we're being politically correct or we're naming right. these things. I mean, all of these same basic human kindness initiatives, um, you know, are there in the person of Jesus as he's navigating Absolutely. through ancient Palestine. Absolutely. And they're. It's not politically uh, they're, progressive. They're, yeah. Their they're political yeah. mores are different and their language is different, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, we, we take what's new about it and we held onto that rather than just like the simple kindness at the heart of it. And we realize, Oh, well that's, that's, a, that's a very core Jesus idea. Yeah. Of course we should be finding new ways to express that. Yeah. You know, we're finding new ways to express, you know, the goodness and the grace of Christ all the time. One of them is like, our language. Yeah. So. Just, just ask more, ask more questions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, anything else from, from I sermon? I mean, I, mean, I, I we're actually... 45 already, but oh, okay, we, we yeah. got a couple more minutes here. Oh no, we got to transition to the, to the, to yeah. The you want to ask teased. about, okay. Well, I just want to, I want to, I mean, we can come back to this question. Like I, I told you, honestly, I want to like, what, uh, what's keeping you from being bored? And we, I mean, I could ask you like, what are you reading? Yeah. Where are you stretching your mind? Hey, you know what? I'll say this. <laughs> The new Justin Bieber song, it's it's pretty good. So you didn't all see of, it coming. You all didn't of see the it staff coming. have been like, hey, did you listen to this Justin Bieber song? I'm like, I'm not, no, we're not. Okay. Yeah, it's not in my. I listened a... to Pearl Jam for the 9,000th time this week. I didn't listen to the new Bieber. Anyway, I listened to it. It's it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's bad. About... I, I like Chance the Rapper. Okay. So, you know, so that makes... Bobby was or that collab, going yeah. on about the song. And I'm like, I'm not listening to that. And she's like, it's with Chance the Rapper. I was like, oh, all right, okay. I, I like Chance. It's a good song. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. that's keeping me interested. That's keeping you interested in terms of yeah. your playlists. All right. Um, what about books? Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, we can come back to this sort of sociology of religion piece. If you want to just preamble this book that you right. were telling me about that you're reading. And uh, I wasn't aware of it, actually. So so right now I'm reading um, After Evangelicalism by David Gushy. Cool. Uh, I just started that one. It's It's quite good. I'm quite into it. But the one I just finished was called Jesus and John Wayne. Um, Kristen Cote Dumez, I think her name is. Uh, and yeah, I was not expecting that. Neither was I. All right. So <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, but Jesus and John Wayne is, she is tracing the sort of history of evangelicalism from uh, really sort of the, 
the end of the modernist fundamentalist controversy in the 1920s mm -hmm. through to present day. Yep. And specifically, she's tracing ideas around uh, militarism and patriarchy. So, and, and, and the politics of it. So th there's other threads, but those are the two main ones. And that's right. why she's using John Wayne as a thing. He's, he's a symbol of patriarchy. He's a symbol of militarism. Yep. Um, oh, that's good. And she's tracing it through. And I, I thought it was excellent. Um, I had mentioned to you, my read on the history of evangelicalism is maybe a little different than the way that she nuances it. As I understand um, my history, I would see... So she, she kind of sees evangelicals and fundamentalists as essentially the same thing rebranded. I don't think that's actually accurate. Um, accurate. I don't think that's actually sort of the most nuanced understanding of what evangelicalism is. There's actually a video on our YouTube channel called the, What is Evangelicalism Exactly or something like that where I talk about some of the history. But um, evangelicalism is a specific reaction against fundamentalism. That doesn't mean it doesn't suffer from all the same problem. Sometimes when you're reacting against something, you end up falling for the same thing. So her, her general thesis, I think is fine, but I think she misses the nuance of that a little bit hmm. where evangelicals are not just fundamentalists that are trying to rebrand themselves. They're a group that's looking at fundamentalism, which was a retreat from the public sphere. You know, fundamentals want to create their own schools and their own universities mm -hmm. and, you know, their own institutions to be untainted by the world. And evangelicals were a group who had a lot of the same ideas, but they were specifically as a sociological group defined by um, re-engaging with the academy, re-engaging with politics, re-engaging right. with, uh, you know, local uh, municipal institutions, all that kind of stuff. Right. And that makes them a different sociological group, as I would read it. Right. Now. Do they fall for the same things? Yes. Are they? Do they fall into patriarchy? Yes. Do they fall into militarism? I would say even more than fundamentalists. Um, hmm. Fundamentalists can be militant, mm -hmm. but they don't tend to be militaristic because they tend to withdraw from right. you know, the public sphere. Right. So the idea of promoting, um, you know, a militaristic foreign policy is sort of anti-fundamentalist in some way. Hmm. Very evangelical. And that's what she does an incredibly good job of tracking. That's interesting. Is the evangelicals emerging in the 1940s and 50s and then really coming to power in the 70s through, you know, Ollie North and, you know, all of right. that movement and, and these sort of heroes that rise up in the evangelical sphere. And then, and then tracking it through today. It's, it's quite an interesting book. Uh, but, you know, as I mean, we talked about earlier, there's, there's things in the book. I'm like, ah, I don't think she gets it quite right there. Right. And maybe, I mean, one of the things I would maybe just add is that, I mean, why, why, why would we talk about this on a Tuesday night uh, right. <laughs> uh, in after party? Well, some of why I think it's important is because the, first of all, like a word like evangelical gets tossed around yeah. a lot in the streams that we're part of. Um, and um, I mean, there's even part, I'm sure there's many people in our community who aren't comfortable or they're exploring what their relationship with this word. Yeah. Um, and I think also we live in a time uh, where the, that term has been politicized, certainly with uh, some of what's happening in the U.S. politically. Um, and so I think there's sometimes just a lack of understanding either A, like who are we actually talking about right. when we use this term as a descriptor? And um, and then I've, I've, I've had some, um, oh, I've been thinking about this some because uh, there's a yeah. Canadian historian, John Stackhouse, who worked at Regent for many years. Uh, and I just, uh, 
read an interview where he's going to write. A, he said he's going to write a book. Uh, it's coming out next year, with Oxford University Press, where he says he's going to make this argument that Christianity, sort of across its streams, can be reduced or sort of you can break it down into liberal, conservative, and then he adds evangelical as a, like a sort of a third stream within right. the Christian tradition, which, to be honest, sort of mystifies me, and uh, I'm I'm a little. I'm a little unsure of how to move forward because I, I've sort of historically, I've always found it far more helpful for people to take a book like um, uh, Richard Foster wrote a book called, uh, it's got streams in the title. I'm just you know, like, we can Google fact check this afterwards. He sort of contends that the, like the tradition that we're part of actually has these sort of six streams of application or mm -hmm. expression. And which I think is a more accurate sort of representation of some of the internal diversity in every, almost every Christian sect. And, and it doesn't necessarily always have to be broken down into the political alignments that, I mean, again, if you're going to use the U S as your model where everything needs to sort of be binary and you need to be able to determine which voting block people are in, then it becomes really convenient mm -hmm. to sort of create a liberal conservative binary and, or a fundamentalist modernist binary to yeah. you to explain. And so I, again, we're not going to do this now. It's the end of the conversation, but I, I'm sort of curious about um, this. One of the things that's keeping me curious because I think about uh, like forming our community and we have to play with these words all the time. Um, we're connected with a tradition that sort of uses this language and we, we interrogate it. We're curious about it. And we also sort of try to maybe distance ourselves from some parts of it that are, and I think that's good work that we're trying to do. Um, well, I think, you know, my take on evangelical would be, so Deb's asking a question, is there such a thing as a fundamentalist evangelical? So what I would say, Deb, is um, fundamentalists and evangelicals don't always have that much different theological theology. beliefs. Right. They have different responses to culture. That's how I understand the difference. Um, and I would argue Ooh. that you... So you can't have a fundamentalist evangelical. You can have evangelicals and fundamentalists that believe the same thing, but based on how they respond to culture, do they withdraw from culture? Do they want to, you know, stay away from it? Or do they want to engage with it, fight it? Right. It makes you either a fundamentalist if you withdraw, an evangelical if you engage. Now, that is sort of the, I would say, the second of three major eras of evangelicalism. So as a church, we're Here. part of the Here evangelical covenant church. Yeah. So that comes from um, the evangelical church of Europe in the 19th century. Yeah. And that was, that was when you had state churches, the Swedish church, church, the German church, whatever. And then you had the gospel churches, the evangelical or the, churches. Or the free churches is what yeah. they were called. Yeah. So their allegiance was not to the state. It was to the gospel. That was the first era of what we would call evangelical. Yeah. Then there was um, the evangelical that was a response to fundamentalists. So maybe even had very conservative theology, but we're going to re-engage with culture. That was the second era of American evangelicalism. And then there's sort of the 1980s to now where evangelical is really about a political alignment. And it's really not even about your, your theological beliefs. Yeah. Evangelical now is such a huge tent in terms of beliefs. Like you can be a Pentecostal, you can be a Baptist, you can be reformed, you can you have wildly different theology but it's more about do you align politically around things. Right. Um, and so there's sort of those three eras of what evangelicals mean. And so when people talk about evangelicals, um, generally today they're talking about that political alignment. But if you're having a bigger conversation, you almost have to say, okay, yeah, well, are we talking more about, questions. Are we talking to, about yeah. the 19th century? Yeah. Are we talking about the early 20th century? Yeah. 
are we talking about the late 20th, early 21st century? Right. Because those are going to be three different definitions of the word there. Right. And, you know, Commons Church um, sits in that first yeah. one. Yeah. If we feel any association with this language, yeah, we go, actually exactly. we go we go back to uh, that expression of it. Yeah. So we are not a state church. We don't have a state church in Canada. Right. But we are part of that tradition of churches that say our allegiance is not to the state. It's to the gospel. That's the kind of evangelical that we're a part of. <laughs> but that's not the sort of common parlance of how the word is used nope. today. Nope. And that's what, and if people are in the evangelical covenant church, that's, that's where the yep. evangelical comes from. That's there. why that word's there. Um, yeah. That denomination, we're not part of what's called the NAE, which is the North American Evangelical Alliance. NAE? NA, whatever. Um, the National Association. National Evangel Association of Evangelicals. Yeah, there it is. So I had the, I had the letters right. I don't know. Just the words wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, it, it is complicated when you talk about these terms. And that's where, again, all the way back to where we started, yep. um, rather than labeling someone an evangelical, therefore, this, 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 and yeah. this about you. Yeah, that's right. Can we say... Hey, what, what does that word mean to you? How do you define yourself? What's the core of your Christian experience? What does it mean for you to follow Christ? Because we might find that people have expressions that are either wildly different or incredibly similar to our experience of Christ, regardless of whether they use different language than us. Right. And if the only measure that we use is the labels that get put on people yeah. or the labels that even they apply to themselves. That's right. right? Because that's even right. our even the labels that we apply to ourselves are not always um, yeah they're not always untainted. honest yeah that's right right um, then I think we we do that disservice of not being curious not getting to know mm -hmm. people and not finding the points of similarity right if we actually ask the questions if we have to engage with people I mean we might find at the end of the day we don't have a lot in common and that's okay too mm -hmm. but yep. if we dig underneath that I think sometimes we actually find okay we do have a lot in common with this person who believes differently who comes from a different tradition but who ultimately, you know, is interested in following the way of Jesus. Um, and so all the way back, I mean, this is why we have to ask good questions. It's why yeah. we have to be curious about each other. Yeah, sustained curiosity is And so it's why we have yeah. to stop um, ending at a label. Like labels are not... They're just shortcuts. Sometimes yeah. they're helpful, but sometimes they exactly. you, you lose so much. Yeah, so it doesn't that. mean you can't use them. I mean, I use Christian, right? Christian is a label. Christian is a shortcut. Christian means a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. Doesn't mean the word is not valuable. It doesn't mean it's not useful. Right. But if, if we stop at that um, and if somebody says, okay, well, Jeremy's a Christian, therefore, this is what he believes. Right. Or therefore, that this is who he is as a human being. Um, you know, they're going to miss out a lot. And, yep. and we're going to do that. So That's good. Okay. Can you check anything here? Uh, what do we got here? Almost, almost nine o'clock. It's, it's hard to talk for less than an hour for us. I mean, we <laughs> talk for a living, so it's, we get a pass. No, we That's don't. That's good. Um, I'm good. Yeah. Thank, uh, thanks for joining us tonight on, uh, yeah, on the after great. party. Thanks, Scott, for jumping in. Happy to. Uh, Bobby will good. be back this week. And then, and this week we are continuing the series, Strange Exchange. We got another question. Yeah. More questions. I'm like halfway through the sermon, but I can't. Uh, halfway through the series. Don't, don't tease it. Just why like, are you so afraid? There, oh, you, there go. you go. That's, that's the question. It's a good story. So, uh, cool. check that out on Sunday. If you haven't registered yet, uh, make sure you do that. Um, it is important that we sort of have a gauge on how many people are coming, what that looks like. So you do need to register for church, but we will be online here on YouTube at 1030, 12 p.m., 7 p.m. on Sunday. So have a great week. We will see you soon. Peace, everyone.